0: To turn with me to the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. This is nearing the end of Jesus' teaching, it's just shortly before he would be arrested and crucified. He is teaching, he's taught in a few different parables, and we're going to pick up the reading here in verse 31 of Matthew chapter 25. He's concluded the parable of the talents, and now he is giving uh, instruction concerning when the Son of Man will return. verse 31 it says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and he gave me meat. I was thirsty, and he gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, or truly I say unto you, and as much as you have done it unto Unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and a thirst, or a stranger, or, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Truly I say unto you, inasmuch as much as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment for the righteous into life eternal. We'll stop there at the end of Matthew chapter 25. I want to ask you some questions to start. How can you tell a dog from a cat? How can you tell a horse from a zebra? How can you tell a monkey from a bear? How can you tell a rhino from a hippo? How can you tell a dolphin from a whale? In each of these cases, there are things that are similar in each of these pairs that are named, but they are all distinctly different. Yes, both a dolphin and whale, they swim out in the sea, but we know that we can tell them apart. They are distinctly different. You might have both a dog and a cat at home, but they are both distinctly different. We have ways to identify differences in all of these different animals. We have ways to tell things apart. And so it is that there are ways to tell apart that which is a sinner from that which is a saint. Christ taught about this frequently to His disciples. In fact, He tells at different times, I think even back in the Sermon on the Mount, He warns that they would know those that are false teachers by their fruits. That someone that is a false teacher wouldn't bear good fruit. And someone that is a good teacher would bear good fruit. We would be able to identify that which is spiritual according to the spiritual fruits that they produce. We read that over in the book of Galatians about that those spiritual fruits that we can expect in the life of a believer. And likewise then, there are those things that are done in the life of those that do not believe that point to us that they are not believers. They might profess to be believers. They might profess that they are Christians. But we know by their deeds and by their actions, those things that they do and those things that they do not do, that there is no assurance of Christ in them. We can identify by works whether or not someone is saved or someone is lost whether someone is a saint or a sinner a convert or one who remains separated from God that's what Jesus is talking about here in this separation that would be made at the last day I want to talk about it just a little bit first we see Christ using that reference to himself that he likes to use from the book of Daniel Daniel looked when, or, excuse me, we read in the book of Daniel about Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah, and about how they were given those names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and ultimately, when they refused to bow down to the king's command, they were cast into the fiery furnace. But what did the king find when he looked into the fiery furnace? He saw that there was four men that were loose in there. They were walking around. There was one more in there that they had put in there in the first place. And that fourth was like unto the Son of Man. And Jesus used that reference for Himself as His favorite way to refer to Himself in His earthly ministry was as the Son of Man. And we see Him doing that here. He says when the Son of Man He is saying the one who was in the Old Testament, the one on the left side of the book, the one who was spoken of in ancient days, when He returns in clouds of glory. I want you to see the the full spectrum that Jesus is identifying. He's saying the one who has always been, the one who is here now, when He returns in His glory and the holy angels with Him. And then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. Jesus is coming back. We're assured of that to the Scriptures. There is a junkyard down in Spencer, Indiana. And it has a sign. And it says that Jesus is coming back. And underneath that it says this. It says, what did the monkeys say? when he got his tail chopped off. (coughs) If you know the answer to that, then you know when Jesus is coming back. The answer to what the monkey said when he got his tail chopped chopped off is, it won't be long now. Jesus is coming back. And it won't be long now. He's coming back soon. The best we can tell, all the prophecy that was necessary to be fulfilled has been fulfilled. And Christ shall return one day. And how He's going to return, it's not going to be one that when He came the first time, He came and He was placed in a manger as a baby. But here we find Him returning in glory. Returning to sit on His throne. Returning to take His place as the judge of all the world. And we see Him here judging all nations. That all people groups would be brought before the Lord. Now I want to just emphasize something about this. We have a tendency sometimes, and we're wrong for it, we have a tendency sometimes to, to look very, very narrow when we think about how it is that we are to share the gospel with others. And we are most comfortable sharing the gospel with those that look like us, who talk like us, those who we're most familiar with, those that are most inviting for us to go up to and to talk about with the gospel. But Jesus is coming back and He is going to stand as judge of all people. <coughs> that should be a cry to us, a call to us, that we have been told to go unto all people. So let us not find ourselves only to share the Gospel with those that we're most comfortable talking to, but to share the Gospel with those who are broken and lost. Whether they talk like you, whether they share your language, whether they share your hobbies and your interests, whether they look like you, whether they are somebody that the rest of the world detests, go to them. Go to them. Jesus Christ is going to stand as judge over them one day. Go to them. Tell them about the hope that you have found in Jesus Christ. And he says he'll have all his angels with him and he'll bring all the nations gathered before him and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he says that he would set his sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. And listen to what he will tell the sheep. Listen to this invitation. He will say, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We read some great invitations in scripture. In fact, we read what is commonly referred to as the great invitation. That when Jesus said, come unto Me, all ye that are weak and heavy-laden. Come and learn of Me. Take My yoke upon you and come to know that behold, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is an invitation to come and to find rest in Jesus. It's the great invitation. It's an invitation that's made to all people to come unto the Lord and to find rest. But this invitation is an exclusive one. The invitation that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, to these sheep that are on his right hand, these sheep that are on his right hand, it is exclusive. It is made only to the sheep. The goats are not invited. He says, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He says, Come inherit a kingdom. Now I am blessed in that I have both of my parents living. I have never been an inheritant of anything, an inheritor of anything. Others have lost loved ones, they have inherited things that have been passed down to them. They understand what it is to take possession of something that wasn't theirs but has been entrusted to them by someone else. Jesus says, come and inherit the kingdom of God. To come and to take this possession that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What did Jesus tell His disciples when He was going to be going away? He said, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, if it was not so, I would have told you. He says, for a fact, I am going, and while I am away, I want you to know that I am not going on some faraway vacation. I'm not going and have forgotten about you, but I am going away that I might prepare a place for you. This is a place whose preparation has been in the works from the foundation of the world. I want you to think about how wonderful heaven must be that has been me." been being built up from the foundation of the world man alive that place must be something else if god has been working on it all these years to get it ready for us i can't imagine what that must be like but he said we're going to inherit it as a possession what's that mean it means we are not going to inherit this kingdom of heaven as one that would be a stranger in some faraway land. You ever go on vacation somewhere? You take a trip somewhere and you're a tourist and you stick out like a sore thumb from those who live there? That's one of my favorite things to do on vacation. I'm very okay if I'm on vacation. I'm, on, I'm a tourist. I have some family members, that when they're on vacation, they, they want to go to where all the locals go. When I'm on vacation, I want to go where all the the tourists go. (laughs) I'm supposed to stick out like a sore thumb. Here in Franklin, I look like everybody else. I'm okay if I'm pale in a beach town. I'm okay if I look like I don't understand mountain life if I'm down in the mountains. I'm out of where I'm supposed to be. I'm a stranger in a different land. It won't be so in heaven. We're going somewhere where we belong. We are inheritance of the kingdom. We are rightful to take possession of the kingdom. You see, when my wife and I bought our house, we were given a deed that says that we have rightful rightful possession over our home. We have been entrusted with a deed that Christ paid for, that says we have rightful possession in that city, that says that we are rightful citizens of that country, we are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't that incredible? He says why. He says how... This is the judge. This is the judge that is looking upon the sheep and is identifying them as sheep. He is identifying some hallmarks of Christians. He says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you put clothes on my back. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now the Bible says that even the righteous didn't understand what Jesus was referring to. They said, Jesus, when did we do any of these things? When was it that you were hungry and we brought you food or you were thirsty and we gave you drink? When did we do these things to you? And it says that the king shall answer and say unto them, "Verily, or truly I say unto you, and as much as you have done it unto one of the least, of these, my brethren, you have done it unto to me. He goes on and he has the exact opposite things to say to the goats that would be on his left hand. That they did not give him, did not feed him when he was, he was hungry. They did not offer him to drink when he was thirsty. But all these things they never did, even unto the least of these, they did it not. Identifications of those who are not righteous, those that are not his. Y'all just keep praying for me. So, what then? What do we take from this? What do we learn from this passage of Scripture? It is a great thing for us to know and to identify as believers, as those that are trusting in the Lord as the hope of our salvation, to understand that we have this great assurance of the hope of heaven, that to know this invitation that would be given to us to, to come and to take this inheritance. It is frightening for us to consider those that are lost. It should encourage us to take the Gospel to those that have not come to believe upon the Lord Jesus for salvation. But what else? There, there must must be something here that Jesus would, would spend his time teaching his disciples about this parable. I always want to point out one thing to you: he says inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, to the least. We have a tendency sometimes to make a big deal over the great expressions of religion. We look to the big things and we say, look at that great work that that brother is doing. Look at that great work that that sister is doing. Look at how that family is living for the Lord. We look to all these big expressions of religion as those things that would be worthy of, of praise and, and worthy of modeling our lives after. And we say, if I could just be like that person or like that missionary, or if I could just be like that preacher, if I could just be like that pastor, or that deacon, or that good young family that I see at church. We have a tendency to point out the big expressions. But Jesus is identifying that if you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. One time the disciples were arguing, as they had a tendency to do sometimes. and They were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. They had been following Jesus for some time. Each of them had seen different things and accomplished different things, but it impacted in different ways. And they were debating about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And as they were debating, Jesus knew what they were debating, knew their hearts and what they were talking about. But he kind of laid out of the conversation for a little bit, letting them debate. But ultimately what he came around to is he, he heard their, their debates and he knew their hearts. And listen to what he did. There was a child apparently nearby. And He took that child and He sat that little child next to Him. Now I can just picture Jesus interacting with this little child for a little while while His disciples were off debating who was the greatest among them. Can't you picture that? The disciples are all in a fuss about which of them would be the greatest or who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, meanwhile, the One they're following... He's concerning himself with a little child. Jesus finally told his disciples, he says, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, and whosoever shall receive him, excuse me, in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be preacher was asked one time, a great theologian was asked one time, who is the greatest preacher in the world today? And the great theologian answered and he said, you don't know it." The person that asked was expecting that his response was going to be one of these great preachers of today that people talk about and hear about. Maybe one of the televangelists that you see on TV that has a big reputation or one of those ones that presidents would go to as their spiritual counselors or those ones that, that maybe we would even think call out as being these, these great preachers and examples. And the theologian said, you know, no. one, Because somewhere God has raised up for Himself a vessel and He is preaching to a small congregation in a place where no one will ever think of anything about it on the map, some faraway country, some faraway land, but God is receiving glory from the work of that man who's not working for a great name, who's not working to be made known, he's not working for anything of himself, but he is working that God might be glorified. I know that sometimes you labor for the Lord so hard and you feel like all of your efforts go unnoticed. And you wonder, does anybody see me working for the Lord? Does anybody understand how much time and commitment I put in so to working? For the Lord, Does anybody know the hours that I spend with my children educating them about the things of the Lord? Does anybody know the time that I spend as a husband or the time that I spend as a wife loving my spouse as Christ loved the church and how hard it is that I strive to, to bring myself under subjection? Does anybody understand the things that I do for my neighbors or for those that live around me or for my family? Does anybody see what I do with the church and how I try to help people? or try to help the church in what it's trying to do, what it's trying to achieve. Does anybody see me helping strangers? Does anybody see me helping those that are around me? It's the nature of our flesh to wonder, does anybody know? Why does nobody compliment what I'm doing? That's the nature of our flesh. We, we want somebody to see us. Even our, our hearts might be right, We might even say, man, it sure would be nice if somebody would just say, good job. If somebody would just say, attaboy. I want you to know that you may never receive an attaboy in this life. As deserving as you may be. Several months ago, I preached that God sees you. I want to bring that to a greater level of detail. God sees your works. And He sees your works when you do it to the least. If we were to look around this room today, we were to identify who amongst us is most wise, who amongst us has the greatest knowledge of the Scriptures, we were to go around and identify who is the most spiritual among us, I could almost guarantee you we would be wrong. Maybe we would identify somebody as being wise and meanwhile there is someone who just sits back in obscurity who is filled with wisdom among us but they don't seek that there be any great thing said about them or remark made about them. Their wisdom is for the glory of God. And whether or not we see it, God knows. There might be those around us who have spent years laboring in the Word of God on their own, not forever teaching a Sunday school class or preaching a sermon or giving a subject at the association as we saw this weekend, but they are laboring that they themselves might increase in the knowledge of the Lord and are wise in the scriptures beyond any even the the most learned scholar among us, yet are comfortable knowing that their work is for the Lord. There might be that among us that all the while they give, they take and they give food to others, they take to others, they encourage others, and they never do it in ways that the world would ever see, but God. Sees, And He knows. And not only so, but your heart that labors for the least. Listen to me. Your heart that labors for the least is an identification on your life that you live for the Lord. You want to tell me you live for the Lord. You live for the Lord by doing it to the least that is among us. I want to try to close. We talked earlier about the Lord having gone to prepare this place for us. As He's gone away to prepare this place for us, He has entrusted us while we're here. He has told us and instructed us with the Word of God to, to go and to reach all nations. We have seen throughout the Scriptures of the New Testament as a church of how it is that we're supposed to, to, to observe the things that He has taught us and instructed us. How we're to love others. How we're to have compassion on others. He has told us individually as husbands, as wives, as sons, as daughters, how we are supposed to obey our parents and love our spouses, how as parents we're supposed to teach and train our children. And sometimes we find ourselves growing very weary in our well-doing. When we are at our most weary is what it is that we desire the most. No, What it is that we desire that there be people to have identified us. Why? Because we find ourselves to be so bogged down and we're wondering, does anybody see us? Is it worth it to serve the Lord as I'm trying to serve the Lord? I want you to know that question will be answered. And that question will be answered by the invitation that we read. When Jesus says to those sheep on his right hand, and he says, Come, inherit the kingdom of my Father that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What's that mean? All of those things that you're doing now, all that you're desiring for, for the Lord, all the love that you're showing to your neighbor, all the efforts that you're putting into your children, all the efforts you're giving to love your wife and to love your husband, all the effort that you're giving to the Lord's church, all the effort that you're giving to to the the stranger around you, to the one that is in prison, to the one that is sick, all that you are laboring for in the name of Jesus, God has been preparing for you to do those things from the foundation of the world. Think about that. Your efforts for the Lord, your love for the Lord, it's not an isolated incident. When God spoke the world into existence out of nothing, when He created Adam out of the dust of the ground and caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and took of his rib and made into him a woman named Eve, he saw this day that <laughs> the love that you have for the least of his brethren, your love for the Lord that you show today as you desire not your own notoriety, but that you do these things for the glory of God. And So I want to encourage you to keep going. I want to encourage you to not give up. To not be downcast and downtrodden. But instead to know that even when it seems like nobody else sees you, God does. God does. Young person, let me say something to you just just quickly. I know sometimes it seems like trying to live for the Lord as a young person it means that you are stuck between Two different things. You're stuck between a world that sees you as as different and wonders why you won't come and do the things that they're doing and drinking and partying and all the things that you can get caught up in in the world. And meanwhile, you're caught up against the church and the church kind of looks at you strange and they're kind of wondering why you dress the way you do and the way you, why you play the games you play and do the things you do and maybe they're not quite sure of you either. And so you kind of feel stuck. And you say I'm trying to live for the Lord but the church looks at me with a side eye and I'm trying to live for the Lord and the world looks at me with a side eye and I just feel like nobody noticed me one way or another. Is it worth it? God sees you. God sees you, young person. And He loves you. And He loves your work for Him. And he loves that no matter what it is that the world might look at you as, no matter what it is the church may look at you as, he knows your love for him. And he sees you. So keep going. Keep going. I thank you for listening to me. I apologize for my struggles with my voice and my throat, but I pray that God would bless his message. Something on your heart today.